We Saved You a Seat is sponsored by the Oklahoma Family Network. Oklahoma Family Network focuses on supporting families of children and youth with special health care needs and disabilities, as well as families who have children with a mental health or behavioral health diagnosis. Oklahoma Family Network provides families with emotional support, resource navigation, parent-to-parent engagement opportunities, and wants to ensure quality health care for all children and families by building strong and effective family professional partnerships. Thank you for joining Tracy Cates and I for part two of her podcast. Today, Tracy addresses Liam's birth and some of the things she did and has done to help maintain her sobriety. Tracy gives us a glimpse into what it's like to live with an addiction and get pregnant, try to kick the addiction, only to find yourself being held hostage and return into its grasps. Please continue to listen as she shares hope, strength, and wisdom for others who are trying to overcome an addiction. We shared at the end of our last podcast about the STAR prenatal program. STAR stands for Substance Use, Treatment, and Recovery, and the STAR prenatal clinic at OU Health Science Center seeks to help provide prenatal care for those with an addiction as well as support moms by coordinating mental health care along with prenatal services. Again, thank you for joining us today, and we hope you will open your heart to compassionately hear more of Tracy's words and story. This is my story about, you know, why Liam is here. I want everyone to know I did kick the drugs on my own, by myself, in this house, alone, with no support but my daughter who had ultimately was so sick of me she didn't even care she cared about this baby in my belly but you know and she cared about me but from the moment that I realized I could do things over you know with Liam and the girls is that all this negative behavior and uh, conditioning that had been put into me just to be perfect and be a certain way because that's what was expected of me. I thought I still, I still kind of have that feeling towards my, like my dad, like I'm not, I'm not enough right now. Just me staying sober. That's all I need to focus on right now. And my family knows that, that when I say that I don't feel like I'm enough, that's me in my head. My dad knows that better. Right now, like just being with Liam and the and my girls, I'm able to come back and unteach all the negative, like screaming at the dog or, you know, just these little things that I'd seen that addiction and just my rearing, I guess, my anxiety, the way I was raised, abandonment, you know, that I've dealt with in my life and that Lily's had dealt with. Being in the NICU with Liam, when Liam came, poof, he was out, okay, four minutes, right? I'm waking up, and I didn't get to see Liam, I guess, probably for the first 24 hours. Um, I was able to see his picture. That was kind of a weird time because they had me on the little medication pump, (laughs) and I was using it, right? (laughs) So I can kind of, like, barely remember being in the recovery part I know it snowed that day it was really lonely you know my family came up it was really cold I couldn't go down and see Liam my dad is a complete like I don't even know you could almost like if you don't know him you would take it as like 
he really just doesn't, I guess he doesn't care, but he cares so much that he can't deal with seeing his grandson like that. He would say, I don't want to bring in the germs. You know, this was, this was pre COVID <laughs> barely, you know, there was no reason for him not to go in and see his grandson. Dad's never, he's been there to save me, but I wanted him to be there for Liam and me both because I mean he's all I had left. You said you kicked it. You kicked it by yourself. You were able to go into to his delivery okay. as a sober mom. So you were able to do that. Were you afraid um getting on the pump and the pain pills and all of that associated? Yeah, I really wanted to talk about that. It it was hard to kick it. I'm not I made it sound easy. Let me tell you, I I tested hot at the OB and I the first appointment I had, I went in and I told him look, this is the situation and I'm going to be, it's going to be dirty. You know, they couldn't even get blood from my arm because I was so dehydrated. It was so thick. I had to go back and get blood drawn again a few weeks later. Like it delayed all of the testing that was to be done on him. There was actually an instance when I found out I was pregnant with him. Like I started getting staff everywhere from... Uh, intravenous use and just the drug toxins and stuff and I was still somewhat using you know trying to I was weaning myself off of it cigarettes was the hardest thing cigarettes was the hardest thing I was even smoking cigars there for because I had no money so I'd go get a couple of cigars and just like toke on those that's way worse you know but I eventually stopped that, okay? That was cold turkey. To stop the addiction, I I disappeared for a week to my dad and stepmoms because of this. And that helped me get somewhat clear-headed and people out of my house. People were here at my house and I just left them here. I did not care. I knew I was pregnant and they were on drugs and I had to get away from them. And by the time I got back, they were gone. And I was still able to, like, somewhat sit over here, yeah, by myself and try to, you know, continue to get clean. And I did, you know, I did. I, I did it. Barely by the time he came, barely clean. In fact, that was one of the questions the doctor had asked me whenever uh, my blood pressure was so high, you know. He was like, you got to tell me right now, are you, do, have, have you used? And I was like, test me. <laughs> and he said, oh, we are. <laughs> and, and so that's when he, he sent me up to Oklahoma City to have Liam. But yeah, by that time, I was feeling better about myself. Um, I knew that pain medication was coming. You know, when they shipped me, I was pregnant. Um but I knew the baby was going to be delivered. I was to be, I was to be held in the, the, the labor and delivery until he was to be born. And that was hopefully at 40 weeks. So that was going to be a long time sitting in that hospital room alone. And even after that third day, I was like, man, this is going to get sucky really fast. And the third day is when he came. Yeah, they moved me into the, the postpartum, OB, postpartum. Yeah, just over. Uh, yeah, and I knew I was going to have the pump. Okay, and I want to be clear on this, too. I knew, I knew that I was going to get drugs. I knew I was going to get opiates, okay? But I knew I was prepared for that. I'd even had a talk with my pharmacist here. 
you know, he's like, Tracy, you're going to have to have something, you know, after that baby's born. And the way he was going to, we'd planned on him coming. And so I was like, oh, that nurse told me I could, the, the pain medication, I could, you know, the, it was every seven minutes you could hit the button. I laid in bed that first night after I'd had him and every seven minutes I hit that button. I could have probably had my pain medication for the rest of the next day. But for some reason, I just sat there because I knew I didn't want to spread it out. I just wanted it to be done. I knew I was going to get a few of the lore tabs, you know, from the doctor. Um, and I wanted to be done with that. And so I just sat there and I stayed messed up for that first day after he was here. But after that, and after he was here, and after I'd finished my pain medication and they got my blood pressure where I wasn't like bottoming, bottoming out, <laughs> that's really when my recovery started. We get home, we come home. I'm just going to fast forward a little bit. Uh, I slip, I try it, I snort a little bit, and I actually called the guy and I said, come get this shit and bring me some pot. And so that, that was the last time that I'd used. And it's been about two years, almost two years. So it was right after you got home, you had that one little slip. Yeah. And you have, you have been able to maintain since then. That's right. I've been, now I have gotten my, I, I have fibromyalgia. I deal with chronic, chronic pain. I have metal in my back. My hip has grown back deformed on the inside. All my injuries, all of my pain is invisible. None of you can see it. And I can hide it pretty well. But I have it constant. And having him and doing all the things I do as a single mom, I do have my card. So I smoke marijuana. That's all I do. I don't drink. I don't do the hard drugs i don't sleep around okay let's get with some other addictions here i don't i'm i have my home again it's you know it's taken me a long time to get back to where i was and and a lot of people think i've made it look kind of easy i think really and it has not been easy it has not been easy so and it's been really hard <laughs> but with that also Waking up in the mornings has been easy. I'm now on my medication. Doctor there uh, after Liam was born was so on top of my mental health. And that was partly due to, to my being open with her about my history too. You know, you've got, you've got to be open with your doctors, ladies. You've got to tell them the truth about things. I mean, I'm talking in general and especially if you have a baby in your belly. They've heard it all. They've seen it all. They are not going to judge you. They just want to keep you and your child safe. You know, that is what they are there for. I want that to be known. Don't be afraid to, to tell about your addictions. Everybody has their thing, you know. And some of us are just a little bit more open about it than others. You don't know if your baby's going to live in that. And, and one thing that... Um, I think needs to change is we need to prepare women for the possibility of a NICU event. 
Yeah, it's something, yeah, it's something that's definitely not discussed or talked about or the education piece is not even there. Yeah. It's like if we don't talk about it, maybe it won't happen. And then that's exactly uh, the mentality. If you ignore then, it, it won't happen. Right. Yeah. If you just if you don't talk about it or don't mention it, it's just going to it's just going to go away and it won't. It's not reality, yeah. you know, if you don't have to say it out loud. Reality, people. It can happen to you. We both yeah. know we had two perfectly healthy <laughs> first babies and, yeah. and then not so much the next time. Um, something I, I kind of want you to hit on is how the staff and the hospital treated you and maybe made you feel as someone you said to be open about your addictions and to be open about your experiences and and that will only help you when it comes to having your baby and and for them to be able to assist you in the mental health side and and the emotional support and that kind of stuff but how were you treated once you did reveal some of that I think it changes I don't know what's in those charts. I don't know what the nurses see. You know, I don't know what information. I say I, we, we don't know what information really that they already have on us. And, and I'm going to talk from like a perspective. This is a perspective. I mean, this is my perspective, but it might be, I hope, a common perspective from girls, from women, that you do feel like once you reveal that information, you know, you're nervous to usually, uh, even a little bit of a tidbit of information, they, they've got no clue what you just, like how you arrived. Do you know what I mean? What you just came from, from home. We don't know what the doctor is putting our charts. So I know for me, yeah, there was, the staff for the most part was great. Absolutely. I had one little problem, I thought, with the nurse, but I don't think anything, it was on her at all. I think it was something that I maybe had felt about myself or that I felt that she was projecting. She made me feel like I was not understanding how to be a mom. It was a simple thing of like uh, warming up the bottle or something silly, really, and she, she treated me like I was incompetent. And I thought, I've got three kids, lady. Like, just because I came in here and I've got, you know, some, I'm feeling this. I got some track marks on my arms or whatever you think you know about me because I've chose to reveal about myself. And now you're going to treat me some sort of certain way. And, you know, I don't know if that's how it was in my head. That's how it was. Probably that's not how she was meaning it to be. But all the rest of the staff like and even that nurse i i mean really i i don't i don't have anything else to compare it to but i i mean i loved you all i loved them all i mean i really did you know and i thought they did a really good job i thought the 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 care for me as a mom downstairs into my little apartment room you know that i that was just so I cannot even tell you. I mean, you already know. People already know when you've been approved for that, that, you know, you live away from, from where you are and you can't travel back and forth, but people are awesome and they know resources and they came up with resources and, um, you know, you I was able to stay there at the the plaza. the plaza yes yes and she was just lovely the little lady there 
and it was quiet, you know, and I had time really after Liam to come to grips and deal with my addiction some more on my own. You know, I had to, I've always been a person that's really into health. It's, it's funny. Like, uh, I used to run for miles. I've always been a stretcher and I know I had, I had eating disorders. So it's, you know, kind of a thing, but I've always been into physical exercise and, and stuff. And, um, with all of that happening, my wreck and having that surgery, uh, or limb, I knew that I wasn't really going to be able to, to do some of those things that I used to do, uh, as stress relievers, um, when I was getting sober and because I just had a baby, <laughs> they wanted you to rest. So what were some of the things you did? Because obviously having a baby in the NICU is, is very stressful. You've just come out of surgery. So what were some of those those tips that you did? Um, I know that you were actively part of our, our mom's group that we had while you were there. I wish I could have, uh, I wish my body, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say this because that's a good way to listen. I have lived with so much guilt of not being there for my children. And this was something else that I felt so guilty about, but I knew. I was away from the, I was away from my girls, uh, you know, here and that there's something I was trying to fix, you know, and all of a sudden I'm ripped away from Lily again, you know, complete abandonment crap for her. So some of those things really, I allowed myself anything I wanted. Like I was broke up there. Uh, I'm going to tell you this. I was completely broke. I did not have pads. Forever, I was using, uh, I'd gotten some panty li liners and I was cutting those in half. And then I had even used uh, like breast pads for pads and I was bleeding, you know, and uh, the one time I had gotten out to go get the pads, I'd forgotten pads because <laughs> I was getting like toothbrushes and stuff. Um, so, you know, it's little things like that, 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 that I want to be able to put my, and be a part of, you know, what I wish I could be more a part of, you know, care for the girls that get shipped down to the Plaza Hotel. That is, that is something that could be useful because it is about how I dealt with myself there, you know, and having to ask for pads or anything there no, I'm a, I'm a pride, I'm a proud person because I've always been able to, I've had money, I've had cars, I've had jobs, you know, I've been able to provide for myself. And even when I haven't, uh, I've hustled my way around to be able to get it, you know? And so to be, to have to ask for just like the simplest things there to be able to take care of yourself, uh, is difficult. The other thing, um, that was, now that's, an, that was like one of the difficult parts. The positive things that I did that really kind of kept me going. Like I said, I allowed myself whatever I wanted. If I wanted to have a Coke, I was going to have a Coke. And, but it turns out that I'm extremely like trying to change myself. So I never had really had that Coke. I had my diet Coke, you know, so I started. I was like, I'm going to let myself get addicted to Diet Coke and coffee. 
So I did that. I did that there. I drank Diet Coke all the time and water, you know, and I was trying to pump. That was so stressful too. But really to keep my, my mind sane there, to come back to that, I walked every part of that hospital. I would, Facebook helped a lot, honestly. Netflix, I'm always just a huge, I'm a huge movie person. So I, you always saw me on my phone. You can use your breast pump as an actual phone holder to watch your movies, girls. It, it works and pump at the same time. I kind of really just stayed to myself and except for you guys, you know, the, the few, the meeting that I went to and I, I just kind of started taking care of myself again, like normal people would like not sticking a needle in my arm for breakfast, but more like washing my face, um, going to have actual breakfast, even if it's at noon, you know, cause I allowed myself to sleep. Um, I really got, one thing I got tired of hearing the nurses say is you need to get a schedule. Lady, you don't know what I've just brought myself into. Like nighttime has been my schedule for five years. Like I'm up at night and I sleep during the day and that, and when you don't go out of the NICU or the hospital building, your days turn into the night. So, I mean, like, seriously, I, my nights and days were completely backwards. They were completely backwards there. And that's how I dealt with it. I accepted it. <laughs> you know, you you have to accept the situation. Why Why did you want to share your story today? What, what made this such an important um, mission for you to be able to come on and share your story? Really, you know, I've always, uh, well, from the moment I met you, I told you, you know, uh, I want to be a part of this, and it's bothered me so for this whole time that I haven't been able to provide candy or something, you know. I mean, I've got the family network address on my fridge so that when I'm able, I can help with that. And, and podcasting, when this started... Um, and I was on Facebook quite a bit and seeing people like set up podcasts, my friends that I hadn't been on Facebook for five or six years. I'm like, oh, this is what's happening. Um, I thought I want to talk about myself and Liam for a little while. I really, is all, I've been interested to talk about my story prior to Liam. And so Liam, like I said, he is our fantastic plot twist, and it's been such, life is, life is hard, but life is easy, Tamara. Um, my world has become so much easier because I've kicked the drugs, I've stayed on my medicine, I take vitamins, I am, want to do yoga, uh, I've been doing yoga, and I really just want the girls and the ladies to know that addiction will hit you no matter what age you are. It can come back into your life after you've thought you kicked it at any time and you have to be prepared. And when you have a baby that has been thrown into this situation, uh, especially like this, when you're in your addiction and you get pregnant, I mean, that's a choice you got to make. There's two, there's babies, you know, they're being born to the opiates and stuff. And um, if I can be a voice to hopefully get girls to stop 
at least while they're pregnant, you know, at least while they're pregnant, because I was clean with both my girls when I was pregnant. Any drug use that I had been doing, it did stop. It started back up later, but usually by some event, but it is imperative to stop. And I know it's so hard. Uh, and then, you know, if you can't do it, if you cannot do it, don't be afraid to say that. You know, tell a stranger, somebody you don't even know. Sometimes that's easier to, to say it to somebody that you don't know, that you need help, you know, and that you cannot do this. And you're just going to have to find somebody that you can trust to, to help you with that while you're there. You know, and this is, I'm talking strictly to the women with addiction, really. I mean, issues. Because I don't know anything about not having addiction issues and having babies, you know, so. The, the name of our podcast is We Saved You a Seat. And I think you've done a beautiful job at saving a seat for moms who experience addiction and who mm -hmm. are living the life that, with addiction. And so I know you've shared a lot with me today um, and educated me in kind of that historical piece of, of it just starting early on and being able to come off and then going back on. Um, do you... When others hear your story, so other people that hear your story that maybe know it a little bit or maybe don't know a little bit, do you feel like there might be some ramifications from you sharing your story today? Or, or have you cut ties with everybody that you feel like this is a really safe spot now? Um, you know, I feel that uh, it's my story, like I said. I don't mean for there are players in my story. There are people that I've probably actually hurt um, in some ways and they've probably hurt me. So this is not like some sort of retaliation or anything. It's just simply me educating other women that they're not alone and that this is not uncommon, you know, to have a family that is great on both sides and still have addiction issues and end up with, Everything that you'd ever had is gone and having to rebuild and alone, basically. And and giving away all your, you cannot control any of it. I mean, the only thing you control is your emotions and yourself and how you react to situations and your choices. You know, the things around you, your environment are out of your control. You have to stay in the present. You have to be in the now. And that is how I have learned to cope with everything just positive thinking man you're doing it i'm not gonna sit here and say jesus and god because i had issues with jesus and god uh law of attraction has helped me tremendously i have found my way back to jesus and god i understand what they are to me a little bit more you know and i understand uh my relationship to them and how they have helped me so yay me you know and if it offends anybody I'm sorry you know I'm not sorry I'm not sorry yeah I was gonna say the ability to share and to be here to be able to share your story I was gonna ask what are you doing now because you said that it's been almost two years. What are you doing now to maintain that sobriety and to maintain that? And um, are there things in your life that you're doing now? Yes. And really, I don't, I don't even know how to answer that because it's like so easy. 
it is so easy not to want to use. I can't even, I know that angst of, I remember, I remember it well and I don't remember it well of being on edge of, even though I'm doing something, I need to be doing something more. I don't know what that is. So I'm just going to go get high and then I'll figure it out. You know, that's exactly, I mean, for me. And somehow, really just by changing my thinking to positive thinking, I've been, I've been through so much and I know other people have too. And guess what? I'm still here. You know, I, I know that now, like, you will normally wake up, we hope, the next day after something tragic. I know it's so hard. I don't know how I'm doing it. I don't know. I'm, I guess Jesus. I guess God. Uh, I guess my higher power. I'm happy. I'm yes. just happy. Uh, Lexapro, Wellbutrin, uh, whatever, my heart medication. I now have a heart murmur. I have all these things that are wrong with me, all these things that have happened, and I'm the happiest that I've ever ever been in my life and i am so excited about life now i used to hate it hate it hate it hate it why am i here i still don't understand my purpose you've tried to kill i've tried to die i've almost succeeded yeah. you know even for my girls you know i i don't know and but for some reason it's just um and i hope i hope one day that a girl that a woman will understand that that she feels that easiness too, that they find that peace because it is possible. I promise. I promise that that peace that people talk about, it exists. Okay. It does. And, you know, I don't, I guess Liam was, babies are a part of that, but experiences are too. Um, and so just embrace everyone that you've got and learn from it. You have done a beautiful <laughs> job sharing your story. And I hope so. You, you have. I know there will not only be families that hear this story, but there will be providers out there that hear this story and think, I can do a better job. Yes, I can, providers. I can, yeah, I can help recognize um, when there's a postpartum. Mom yes uh, and and okay just a really fast uh knowing what i went through laney after laney was complete postpartum depression you know now that i see that that's what spent uh, after having laney sent me into another just a cycle of that's when the opiates hit my mom but my hormones were not addressed my weight and my pain were you know, but my mental health was not. So that's where we need to start with, uh, actually with pregnancy is mental health first, really. So mm -hmm. powerful. Your words are powerful. And I know they're going to touch the hearts and souls of uh, the minds of a lot of people. So um, I cannot thank you. thank you enough for sharing. And um, I just, I adore you. I love you. I think you are a fantastic mm. mom. Um, that has worked through so much in her life and is coming out on the other side. And I can't wait to see what the next two years holds. You know, I know that I some, know. Days, some days it's minute by minute and, you know, hour by hour, but I know that you see your future now. You see a positive uh, future that you get to be a part of. And, and I'm just That's so right. proud of you. For seeing and I that. know my worth and yeah. I know my worth. Thank you for sharing your story. Thank you for being here, Tracy. This is just 
it's such a delight. It's always good to see you. And um, hopefully we'll get to see each other in person soon. And no amount of candy will ever touch <laughs> your story because your story <laughs> is so much more powerful and will touch the hearts of so many more people than maybe a bag of candy that you might be providing. So, right. so thank you for your words. Thank you. Thank you so much, Tamara. Thank you for listening to this episode of We Saved You a Seat. Oklahoma Family Network promotes family-centered care and provides tools so families can make informed decisions, advocate for improved services, build connections among families, and serve as a trusted resource in health care of children and young adults. If you would like to become a supporting family or get in touch with another family, please contact Oklahoma Family Network at oklahomafamilynetwork.org or by calling 405 271 5072.